0: Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. What I love about the Gospel of Mark is that Mark wastes no time in getting down to business. There's a single sentence introduction. There's an event that has taken place that radically changes the way we look at and experience the world. There's no crying of a baby being born, just the voice of one crying in the wilderness. No attention given to anything but the message. The good news that God is here and He is on our side. Today we're looking at verses 14 to 20 in the first chapter of Mark. And to further support that point of the action, you know, in the Gospel of Matthew, at verse 14, we're still learning about ancestors. In the Gospel of Luke, at verse 14, we're hearing about an encounter between a priest and an angel. And in John, you know, he's waxing poetic as he likes to do. But Mark, it's got this announcement of the Gospel. Like I said, wasting no time getting to the bold and innovating teaching of the kingdom of God. And really this teaching is is less of a focus on God as king in the gospel of Mark, God as his sovereign role over Israel and the world, but more on God entering the kingdom, entering this new state of being. At present, the kingdom is hidden, but it will be taught about throughout in parables and described using analogies. And although it awaits these future appearances of unprecedented proportions, power and glory, even though the kingdom is not yet fully realized, Jesus stands here crying and the contrite and repentant already stand on its threshold. For the kingdom of God is not some result of a human effort, nor is it a religious or political outlook or affiliation. Here we see that the kingdom of God will not just be the teachings, but Mark has identified the kingdom in the closest possible way to a person and their ministry. The person of Jesus Christ. And this is a ministry, this is a person, this is a gospel that will be proclaimed and known in adversity and through struggle and suffering. Yet it will be one that will give love and hope to all who would have it. Jesus says the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. This arrival of the kingdom of God, this repent and believe demands a change in thinking, a unique response, a decisive response in thought and behavior. One that will now turn from something in some way of life and turn towards a new way, new truth, new life. This call to repent and believe is not one that will just be a single moment, not one that is applied only to certain areas of our lives and not to others. Rather, this call of repent and believe for the kingdom of God has come lays claim to the total allegiance, the holistic life of all who will follow Jesus. And as we read his gospel, we notice that the first act that follows this profound proclamation of his gospel, this good news, this call for us to see Jesus, to turn to Jesus, to believe in him, to put our hope and trust in him, to follow him, is not followed by some crazy miracle or a mighty sermon. But the first act is a simple calling of four ordinary people. So let us look at this ordinary calling of these four men. First and most importantly, you'll see that Jesus is the subject of this call. It says, come, follow me. Now friends, this was and still is very different. See, at the time, entry into a a rabbinical school depended on the initiative of the student. The choice to follow an ideal, a teaching, a way. And for a Jew, the allegiance was always to the Torah, not to a specific rabbi or to a specific person. In the Old Testament, it wasn't uncommon for a person to follow or walk in God's ways or according to His statutes, but here is something different. Jesus is calling the four to Himself, to Jesus alone. And did you catch it? He searches for them. He comes to them. Jesus comes and meets them where they are. He does not require them to find Him. He does not require them to come to the holiest of holies to pass some examination. But He goes to the shore where they work. He comes. Friends, He comes to you. He searches for you. He comes to you and meets you where you are. He does not require you to find Him. He does not require you to come to the holiest of holies. He does not require you to pass an examination. But He comes to you at the shore of your very life, coming to you to turn your page. Don't miss how important this is. For when these pages of life have us paralyzed and afraid, unsure of what to do, we can be certain that Jesus comes to us. When these pages of our life have us feeling content in our ways, so sure in our paths and our plans, He comes to us. And when in the pages of life we wander off in a blaze of life to find where demons dwell, we can be certain that Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd, comes to us. What we need to do and what we need to learn never starts within ourselves but comes from following Jesus. The Jesus who comes to you. Don't forget this. That the gospel isn't so much about God as is from God. For you. Which is why he calls us to a completely new life. Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Takes these four ordinary fishermen and changes their life. Now I grew up hearing, I will make you fishers of men. I think the best translation really is Jesus says, I will send you out to become fishers of men. See, the call comes from Jesus and it is a call to change, to follow and a call to serve. And the process of becoming a disciple is a slow process, at times a painful process, especially for the 12, was it not? We see them struggle to understand. We see them struggle to keep watch at night. We see them struggle to follow. We see them suffer persecution all for the cause of Jesus the life to which Jesus calls disciples requires a fundamental change of perspective to now have in mind the things of God rather than the things of self. It is a call that says you have to leave the nets behind. It's a call that says you have to get out of the book. Remember Paul, in his, as he's nearing the end, tells Timothy that in this call, you have to fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made that good confession in the presence of many witnesses. The call to follow Jesus in many ways is a call to fight. This is a case of do or die. But not that out there fighting with fists to break down doors and to make sure things happen our way, but rather a fight of lifting up our hands in holy prayer, embracing the kingdom life that God has prepared for us. Because we remember that Jesus fights for us. And so, friends, we must fight to follow Him. Not just a moment, but daily rise and fight for Him. Now, I don't know who needs to hear it. I know I need to do. But wherever you are, you've got to keep fighting today. You've got to keep fighting to follow Jesus. Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young said it this way, it's darkest just before the dawn. Keep fighting. Keep fighting and know that He will turn the page. And I know it's not easy to fight. I know it's not easy to follow Jesus. We take a lot of time and we make a lot of wrong turns. When something happens, when life happens, we get beat down and we get tired. And all we hear every day is how messed up everything is. We have to keep fighting. I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus calls the disciples as they had finished fighting. As as they had finished their nets, they had finished preparing. They were exhausted. He came to them and said, follow me. In Every important journey, in every fight, in every struggle, there is a moment that will come. People talk about in this moment how you have to rise up and find it within yourselves. I say that's wrong. And that moment of exhaustion, Pause, breathe, and pray. Take that moment. Close your eyes. Bow your head. See that glimmer of hope in Jesus. Feel that ember of warmth from Jesus. Hear the voice of Jesus calling to you. And hold on to that voice. Trust that He has put you where you are. Trust that you are not alone, that He stands right beside you. He is fighting for you to make you become His. And it's a fight worth fighting because it's one where, in the end, He gives us the victory. He gives us the victory and never stops fighting for those He calls. It's a fight for love, a fight for each other. Following Jesus never means that every single page of life is going to be rainbows and butterflies. There's going to be adversity, there's going to be suffering, but there will always be victory in life and in death when we follow Christ. This isn't some story that we're writing with ourselves as the protagonist, it's a story of everyday following and fighting Jesus, who is the author, the hero, the conqueror of the pages of our lives. The one who has promised to give you the daily bread needed to follow him as his disciple. And one more thing, look at this. He's calling ordinary people to fellowship. The very first thing we see as Jesus is calling is he's creating a community not a community that is just some faceless math mass or has no names in it but a community in which each of us is known by name as he calls Andrew Simon James John as he calls you by name by name he brings you into this new life encompassing community in which at the center is not ourselves, but is at Jesus. We read this Bible, we read this story, and we realize not much has changed. Christ is still doing what He has always done, still calling by name to come and follow Him. A call that starts with Christ, a call that is alive, a call that is abundant one that is never alone, a call that is promised to have someone walking with you, a call that has placed you in a community to follow Jesus together. I'm reminded of a story of a child who went on a trip, they were going to a lake, they were going camping for the first time, and the kid was reading a guide about everything that they could experience camping at the lake you know, the, the types of fish that they would find, the, the history of the lake, how long it's been there, certain paths you could watch, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yulebrunner, Magnificent Seven. Just kidding. The king and I. And when the family gets there, the the boy is still reading. He's reading out the facts to people so that they can, you know, go out and see all these things. The father asks the boy, hey, son, what color is the lake? And the son, still reading the book, says, "Uh, well, it's kind of hard to tell. The the picture's a little grainy and it's not that clear. Maybe a, a bluish kind of. The father gently lowers the book and tells the boy to open his eyes and look out. Friends, you have been called. You have been called by name. What good does it do to read the book, to love the book, to know the book, but not live it? You have been called to live for Jesus and to follow him. There is nothing more exciting than that. Nothing more challenging than that, nothing more worth it. Than following Jesus. So let us follow him together. Let us us learn to see what love looks like as we follow him. Let us learn how to have hands to help others. Let us open our eyes and see that we must have feet that hasten to help the poor and meet their needs. Let us pray that God would open our eyes to the misery and need of our neighbor so that we may come and serve. Let us pray to God to let us open our ears and hear the sign of a creation and people who wait in eager expectation for help and restoration and hope. And let us be confident as those who follow Jesus that we will be filled by the power of His Holy Spirit to follow, to love, and to serve Him. Do not hesitate. Turn the page and follow Jesus.